uh, is because he uses the word joy, rejoice over a dozen times. So um, it's important that we kind of look to the to the word here as our source of how do we find joy and where is it at. So that's what we're going to do this morning is continue that uh, journey through this book, uh, through this letter. Uh, before we do that, I forgot to ask the break question, so maybe you can answer it to me now. Uh, have you ever served in the military or know somebody who has? Wow, okay, that's a lot of people. All right, awesome. Man, that's a lot of people. Okay, wow, okay, so keep that, keep that in the back of your pocket. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do that and talk about that in just a sec. Um, are we good on this, Jaden? Can we get this up? <laughs> All right, here we go. It's gonna, we're going to get to it in just a second. We're a little bit behind this morning. It's the first day of September. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to, to limp through the end of summer here. Okay, here we go. Finding joy. All right, so last week we discussed that true joy, right, means that we share that joy with others and we share in their joy, okay? We noted that to do that, we had to choose humility and to let our pride die, which is a very hard thing to do, especially if you're a man. All right, so in doing so, when we let pride die and we step into that humble mindset, we see the needs of others, we act on them, and we can share in that joy. That's how that works out, right? Okay, so with two weeks left until we close this series, we take this week to look at the natural progression of humility, which is service, all right? That should be the next step. Now, the great question that we, I was supposed to give you, but we just answered when you all practically raised your hands, was that if you know someone who served in the military or if you have served yourself. So, what do we tell those who have served? Or what do we hear for those who have served? What do we hear what people tell us often? Man, perfect. You guys are awesome this morning. Great. Thank you for your service. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of that uh, and told it to others, right? So we show them gratitude or we get gratitude by, uh, because they have fought the battles, right? They have been far from home when we couldn't go. They've been uh, sacrificing the time with their families. They've, they've stepped up uh, and, and, and courage to the challenge of those that threaten us, right? We thank them because of the long hours, the relentless training, the time spent away from their family. We think about all those things, and we think, man, that has so much to do. That is so much of a, of a sacrifice. I, don't, I just don't know if I could do that, right? We recognize in our society that serving is a noble virtue. Say, oh, look at those who serve. But I think we, what we do sometimes is we kind of relegate it to a special class of people. We say, oh, man, I can't believe that. I mean, Johnny and, and, and Jill, they do a great job, but I don't think I could ever be in the military. I don't think I could ever be a cop. I don't think I could ever be a firefighter or a teacher or anybody that has to give 100% of themselves to somebody else for such a long time, right? I don't think I could do that. And while it may be true that not all of us have the physical stamina or the mental toughness that goes with some of those careers— that shouldn't stop us from serving. As a matter of fact, for a follower of Jesus, serving is not just for a special few that, that had to choose to do that. It's not even just for the working class, right? So it's not just the elites up there doing their own thing and being served by others and the working class having to work through their lives and, and serve everybody. It's none of those things. For a follower of Jesus, it's expected of everyone to serve. We see that in Mark 10, and I have the verse up here for us as we look at it real quick. Mark 10, 42 through 45, where Jesus himself says this. He called to them uh, and he said, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must, will be first among you must be slave of all. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. For Jesus and those who follow him, serving isn't optional. It isn't, when I feel like it, I'll do that, right? It isn't uh, any of those things. It's what living looks like, or it should. It's not there as a punishment or a drudgery. I think we think that sometimes that we look at life and serving like, man, I have to serve. If you have kids, you've been there. I went through this yesterday. I was, I was, my son, Jeremiah, had his uh, 10th birthday. It was great, and he had a birthday party. We did all this fun stuff during the day, and he gets you know special uh, stuff for his birthday, right? It was great. I was so taxed from doing everything during the week that I just wanted to watch Florida State football. I really wanted to watch it, and it was on. And I had recorded it because I knew I wasn't going to get to it when I wanted to. So I said, fine, I'll sacrifice my time. I'll record it because thank you, DVR. All right, so I DVR'd it and said, I'll watch it later. And then every time I got to later, something else came up, right? And I kept coming back to, to oh, I'm going to get to it. As soon as I thought I was going to get to it, something else would come back up. And I was wasted. I was ready for me, right? I was ready for my time. I was ready to stop serving other people. I was ready to do my own thing on my own way right there, right? I think as parents, hopefully you would understand that, or if you've ever even seen people with kids, you understand that, that sometimes serving can look like a punishment, right? <laughs> it can look like you're being dragged through the mud and you get to the end of the day and like, how in the world did that person make it? How can they be a mom? How can they be a dad? How can they go through all that day after day after day, right? So we look at serving and say, oh man, that's, that's a lot of work. But really, when we're serving for Jesus, it's a gift. Because truly in serving, we find not only meaning, we find joy. We find joy. Paul understood this, which is why in the, the very heart of his letter into the church at Philippi, he reveals the heart of Christ. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, he says, and we might remember this from a couple of weeks ago when we went through this the first time, he was talking about Jesus. He said, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of of a servant. Some, some translations use the word slave because that's very fitting. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus lived the example of humility we talked about last week by lowering himself from his status and position as God, as king of the universe, right? By giving up the right to use his limitless power to only benefit himself and instead took the position of a slave. That's the exact opposite of how our world is, is operating, right? That's the exact opposite of what our world says you should do. It says you should climb the way up the ladder. You should work your way to the top. You should make more, get more, be more, so you can be, uh, be served instead of serving, right? Everything in our society says to, to get to that pinnacle so everybody can serve you or so you can retire happily and you can sit in a, a you know, Caribbean hot spot and just be, have servants come and bring you food and you just lay around all afternoon or whatever it is you do to be served. But Jesus said, no, I, even though I am God, even though I have the position and the status of God, I'm going to lower myself, not only as a means to rescue us from our sin, but to show us what true power looks like. He of all people deserved to be served. And he chose to serve us. He didn't have to. He chose it. For comparison's sake, because I thought this would be a neat thing, so I looked it up. The president of the U.S., and no matter what president, you could pick one, it doesn't matter. 
the president of the U.S. has over 300 White House staff serving him at any one time. Night or day, 24-7, 365. 300, all right? That's a lot of people at the president's whim, right, essentially. By comparison, and, that, that, and that's an elected official, right? That's, that's not even someone who, is, you know, uh, who has worked their way up. That's somebody who just gets appointed. By comparison, though, right, the God of the universe had 12 dudes walking around with him, and he fed them, he clothed them, and he even washed their feet, right? So, I mean, just think about that. The God of the universe, who is much more powerful than any U.S. sitting president, I don't care who it is, became a slave lowered himself to serve instead of be served. He spent a lifetime spending day and night healing others, raising the dead, teaching others how to live lives that reflected heaven. And ultimately, he died on the cross displaying what true humility, true service, true obedience and love looks like. For Paul, the Philippian church, and us this morning, true joy is found in living out Jesus' story which is why Paul gives us two examples of people doing just that in our text this morning. So we continue here at Philippians 2, verse 19 through 22, where Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me, in the gospel. Now, you've got to remember here uh, our context for this letter that Paul's writing. He's in prison. Uh, he's under house arrest. He can't go out. Nobody, it, people can come to him, but he can't go out and be doing stuff. And so he's trapped. He's potentially going to be executed for his faith in Christ. And so uh, the church in Philippi uh, sent somebody to help him, but he also has Timothy there with him. So he wants them to know what he's experiencing and how he's, he still has joy even in this moment, and he wants to hear about their joy. So he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you so he can check back and, or check on things that he can send back a report. Now, Paul chooses Timothy here because Timothy is a true servant. All right? I'm not going to go into Timothy's full history. You feel free to read yourself. But Timothy had been with Paul through thick and thin. He'd walked all over modern-day Israel Modern-day Turkey, modern-day Greece, that man walked a lot, right? He went everywhere. He wasn't riding around with a car, jet-setting in, in an airplane. He was very carbon-friendly. He was walking everywhere, and he was making sure that uh, he was supporting Paul wherever Paul went. He was planning churches. He was training leaders. He had done all this thing. He had left his family. He had left his friends. He gave up everything that he thought he was going to do as a, in his life and those that were doing around him. And he said, you know what? I'm going to follow you, Paul, because I truly believe that serving Jesus is more important than serving myself. He gave up everything. And he did so because he genuinely loved Jesus. And because of that, he genuinely loved others. The life of Jesus and the life of Timothy here this morning tells us that true service isn't self-seeking. Paul makes the point here. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for you, for they all seek their own interests. The they is us this morning, right? If we're honest with ourselves. Most of us spend the majority of our day thinking about what we can get out of it to make it better for ourselves. I spent most of the day yesterday thinking about how I was going to get my one joy in life yesterday instead of focusing on joy in the serving, right? <clears throat> most of us seek that day after day after day. Most of us had the thought, man, I hope I can get that new job so I can make just a little more money, so I can get that next little more thing, so that it can make me feel just a little better about who I am. 
and about where I am in life. We think that by attaining more, we can get more joy. We think, man, I really need to get that raise so I can get that new car that I've been looking at for a while. Now, you may be thinking, that's just human nature, right? That's just human nature. If I don't think about me, then who will? And you're right. It is human nature, which is why it stands in direct contrast to the heavenly nature that we're called to. We can say, who will take care of me if I don't look at for myself? But Jesus says, take care of others first, and I'll take care of you. True service isn't self-seeking. It's others-seeking. It's not about what I can get out of helping you. It's about what I can give up to help you. Which leads to the second point. Philippians 2, 25 through 27, and then 29 and 30, Paul gives us another example of what serving looks like. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you, and he has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 29 says, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul gives us this second example of Epaphroditus here. Now the church at Philippi had sent this guy, Epaphroditus, this really crazy long name, with a care package to Paul in prison. And while he's visiting there, he nearly died, all right? Having recovered, Paul's going to send him back with, a, with this letter that he's writing to the church so they would know he was okay, and they'd welcome him back, and they'd be like, oh, great, Epaphroditus, so glad you didn't die while you were there visiting Paul. Thank you for doing all that you did. We're so grateful for you making that trick, all right? Now, Epaphroditus is a perfect example that serving requires sacrifice. We don't know a whole lot about him, but what we do know is that the church trusted him to take the gift and get it there safely and timely, which is a lot, right? Even though the roads were fairly safe, it's still a long way to go, hundreds of miles carrying money and, and care packages and stuff, right? Trekking through Roman roads to get to where Paul was. But they trusted that man to get it there safely and timely. He was willing to travel those hundreds of miles. He was willing to take weeks of his life to get there and back. And even though it nearly cost him his life, he was willing to serve Paul in the church in completing his task. We touched a bit on this last week, but too often we serve only when it's convenient for us. We'll serve when we find the time, right? Others-focused serving means being willing to cancel my plans to meet your need. It's the sacrifice of my needs and wants for your needs. It also means sacrificing my preferences of where I serve. Just about anybody can serve doing things they like, right? You can find tons of volunteer organizations out there for you to spend tons of hours for you to serve wherever you want, all right? There's tons of people who will say, yeah, we'd love to have volunteers come. You know, some of us have no problem volunteering hours at an animal shelter. People love animals. I love animals. I don't have any, but I love them at a distance. And so if you love animals, that's great. And so, uh, you know, people can really let you see those sad commercials. They break my heart every time, even though I don't have any. You see those Sarah McLaughlin, whatever song she's singing, and the poor puppies and sick animals, and they're going to die. And, oh, my goodness, it's so sad. And we cry over these things, and we think, man, I should really adopt an animal. I should really volunteer at the animal shelter and help them out because they really need me. We think those things. We may even do those things because we 
we really feel a passion for that. We really think, oh, man, that's something I think I might like to do is really right there in my wheelhouse. I could really get into that. But if our neighbor asks us to watch their kids for a few minutes while they run to the store, we'll pretend like we didn't even hear them, right? Because they they're not cute puppies. They're crazy kids. And so they, they, they keep your crazy kids to yourself, and I'll keep my crazy kids to myself, and everybody will be happier about it, right? So we'll kind of ignore that. Everybody can serve doing things they like. That's not a problem. Anybody can do that. Serving others means sacrificing my time and sacrificing my preferences. Serving Jesus means I sacrifice my priorities, too. Jesus didn't simply serve others because it was a nice thing to do. I think we look at that. I think we say, oh, man, look at Jesus. Man, he was always giving. He was always spending time with people. He was really invested in their lives, and he really cared for people. Well, why did he care for them? Because he was just super nice? No. No. Not because he was just super nice. Jesus didn't simply serve others because it was the nice thing to do. He served as a part of his ongoing rescue mission to save them from hell on earth and an eternity in hell. That's the whole point. <laughs> All right? He wouldn't be serving them if it wasn't going to save them. That's the point. That was why he was here doing that. There are tons of great causes to volunteer our time and effort for, but at the end of the day, if where and how we serve doesn't ultimately point others to God that loves and saves them, then we miss the point. We can serve others and in effect help their minds. We can serve others and help their bodies. We can serve others and help them make the next meal or feed and clothe their kids or do whatever it is. But if we just do that and leave it there, we've missed the point. If we just serve their minds and their bodies but neglect their soul, then we're just putting makeup on a corpse. Let me be real this morning. There's plenty of great places to serve. But if your serving isn't saving, just wait until they're on the deathbed. And then what happens? Serving means sacrificing our time, our preferences, and our priorities. But that doesn't mean it has to be monumental. You know, I got, I got to the middle of this message and I thought, that's pretty heavy and harsh. Jeez, how, how can we do that? How can I be willing to, to be so others-focused? How can I be willing to, to sacrifice my time, my priorities, all these things I like serving maybe, or even if I don't, but I'm willing to serve in certain places if I'm comfortable doing it. How can I get past that point and sacrifice my needs, wants, and desires to see people saved on that rescue mission for Jesus? It seems so big. It seems so monumental. Only special people. We go back to that thing. It goes back to the military. Only special pl class of people can do that. Only pastors can do that. Only people who, don't have a lot of, who have a lot of free time, people who are retired or who don't have kids can do that. People who, have, uh, who get paid can do that. That's not true. None of that's true. None of it's true. In the end, serving is simple. It should be. There was once an American missionary who had spent a large sum of time and money to visit Taiwan in hopes of helping local pastors there. During the visit, he'd hiked with a, a Taiwanese pastor back into one of the mountain villages uh, way off the beaten path to meet some of the local believers there. And the roads and the trails, as we can understand as Vermonters, they were wet. <laughs> Their shoes became very muddy. All right, it was a mess. And so they got to where they were staying that night. And, uh, and they took off their shoes, and they spent the night there, and, and then they kept the, kept the journey going. Later, someone asked this Taiwanese pastor that this missionary was hiking along with what he remembered most about the guy. Without hesitation, the man replied, 
He cleaned my shoes. He cleaned my shoes. The man had spent thousands of dollars, weeks of his life, trekked miles into backwater towns, up mountains and down valleys. And the one thing the Taiwanese pastor remembered the most was that he cleaned my shoes. We can get caught up in thinking that serving is too big. It's too much. It's too time-consuming. And while there are times where that can seem to be the case, more often than not, serving is simple. It simply requires a mindset of servanthood. Who has a need? Where is it? How can I meet it? That's it. Serving doesn't require special skills. It doesn't require special talents. It takes a heart shift and a new mindset that sees the opportunity to serve even in the smallest of ways. Like the missionary in Taiwan, there are muddy shoes, figuratively and very literally in our context, everywhere around us that need to be cleaned. Serve Jesus. Serve others. Serve with sacrifice. Serve small. And you'll find joy. I guarantee it. Every time. For seekers this morning, I want to thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for coming. If you're not a believer, you don't know where you stand with Jesus, we thank you for coming here. Uh, this place is about that. It's about people who are on a journey and they're not quite sure where they fit in. We want you to fit in here, all right? We want you to fit in here. And so we thank you for hanging out with us. Our, our mission here at Faith is to see people transformed by the power of the gospel. One of the key values that we have, and we have these great value boards. They're so, they look so great. I'm, I didn't do these. Somebody else did. They did a fantastic job. And one of them is service, because we do truly believe that saved people serve people. All right? That is, that's, not a, that's not a call. That's not a, a mission statement. That's not a, a little catchphrase. That's the truth. All right? We truly believe, and it truly, this church should truly reflect that if we are truly saved by Christ, we are truly going to be serving others for him day in and day out in the smallest of things. When you truly meet a Savior that died to serve and save you, then serving goes from being an extra chore to a joy. Every experience on Sundays, we want to give you the chance to start that journey with him. So if you're not quite sure where you're at, but you want to really step into that journey with him this morning and really decide to follow him and say, hey, I'm going I'm to turn from what I've been doing and, and, and do this Jesus thing for a while. I want to I lean in on him and really follow him. The word says that the mess or sin in our lives that we all have, I have it, I battle it every day, that stuff is what separates us from a relationship with God. And it separates in our relationships with others. Say, Pastor, I don't believe you. Really? Well, if you've ever had a, a breakup, that's the mess in your lives that caused separation, right? That same separation that we experience time and time and time again with those in our physical existence happens in our spiritual existence with God every day. That mess in our lives. It will eventually cost us our lives. It results in an eternity separated from God and from all the ones we love in a literal place called hell. We hope, though, we think it every day. Man, if I can be good enough, if I can serve enough, if I can serve in the right places, maybe if I even serve at church, maybe I come out and help out and clean up the church once a week or something, then maybe that'll mean I can be good enough to avoid that. But the reality is that our best isn't enough. It's not. never will be. We lower God too much. God's way up there, right? He, he is so holy and so clean. There's, just, there's no way we can clean ourselves up enough to match his. But the good news is we don't have to. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to serve enough to get it. We don't have to do anything to earn salvation. It's freely given. 
His love put him on a rescue mission. And he came from heaven in the God-man named Jesus to serve us through death on the cross so that we may be set free. And he freely offers that life, freely offers that life through grace and mercy to us now. Not only for a better life now, and I guarantee you that it is, but an eternity full of blessings, full of the best things spent with him. Now, he's already done everything. All he's asking us to do is accept, believe, and follow. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? No. Does that mean you're going to get it all right after you follow him? Absolutely not. But he's asking you to do it and lean on him when you screw up. His love covers a multitude of sins. He says, come on, keep coming. Just like a toddler that walks and continually stumbles and falls on their faces, he continually picks us back up and says, come on. Come on. If that's you this morning and you want to make that decision for the first time, I want to give you that opportunity to respond in just a sec. For believers, though, this morning, for those who know, hopefully, that our value as a church or one of our ten values as a church is service, that save people serve people, I got a question for you, or several, really. If a total stranger followed us for a day, I want you to think about this. If a total stranger followed us for a day, would they see us serving others and not ourselves? All right, that's one. Second question, would they see us sacrificing our time, sacrificing our preferences, sacrificing our priorities? That's two. Would they see us serving even in the smallest of ways without caring if we're recognized for it? And would they see us doing it with joy? That's your standard this week. That's the evaluation questions you should ask yourself this week. If we're truly engaged with Jesus, can we answer those with an affirmative? Can we say, yep, absolutely. Now, if you're like me, the answer is probably, nope. <laughs> if you're like me, watching me yesterday, I struggle, all right? If I had a total stranger follow me around yesterday, I would have failed big time on this, all right? So let our prayer be this morning that God will work in us until we can say yes, until we can answer yes to all those questions. And let's use this week, starting right here, right after we get done here, just a minute.